Welcome, everybody. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. And you can also join the Life's Accessories Facebook group where we're talking about all of our life's accessories. And you can email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or accessory suggestions. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And also please subscribe so that you never miss an episode in your feed. Today, we are very excited to welcome not one, but two guests who happen to be sisters. Their names are Ellie and Carrie Monahan, and they have their own podcast, which is called All Each Other Has. We're going to have to ask them about that name, huh? Definitely. So in addition to creating and co-hosting this awesome podcast, Ellie is a television writer and a graduate of Yale University. Carrie (laughs) is a graduate of Stanford University, and she received her master's in journalism from Columbia University, which is also where another podcaster that I know went. (laughs) All right. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Well, these two sisters, these young women are super smart and super interesting and and so much fun. And they are really students of their podcast topics. I mean, they go into detail, they research, they know what they're talking about. That's for sure. So you'll learn something listening to them. So we're so excited to have them here today. We're so excited and we can't wait to bring them on. Welcome Ellie and Carrie. We're so happy to have you here. How are you today? Yeah, thank you. This is so exciting. We're so happy to have you guys here. So I get to ask the burning question. Now there are two guests, um, which we normally have one, but we're thrilled to have two. And in fact, we've had two sisters before. Ellie and Carrie are sisters. And I was thinking maybe I should ask Ellie first because she's the older sister. But then I thought she probably always gets to go first. So (laughs) I'm going to ask Carrie, the younger sister, Carrie, what meaningful accessory do you want to talk about today with us? So I thought long and hard about this. Unfortunately, I couldn't find a lot of accessories that are sentimental to me in my apartment. I think those are somewhere at our mom's house. But I did find something that I had dug out of our mom's basement during lockdown, which is this, I believe, 2008 Juicy Couture charm bracelet. I don't know if it's gold plated or what. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Held it, it's held its shine. Look at it. It's beautiful. It really has. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's really hard to wear. It's very heavy and very loud. Very. I think maybe I should should wear it soon. Should I say the reason why I chose it? Yeah, please. please. Do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see what all the charms are. Um, there is an envelope addressed to Juicy Princess on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. Obviously. There's Diary of a Juicy Girl, which does not, which opens. There's a cupcake. There is a fake diamond engagement ring. There's a lipstick. There is a stiletto. There is the juicy Scotty dog. And then there's the juicy heart. I chose this accessory because I think I got this for Christmas in sixth or seventh grade. And it really exemplifies an aesthetic that 
Ellie and I have talked a little bit about it on our podcast, specifically in the Bratz Dolls episode called McBling, and I didn't hear about it until recently. It's the successor to Y2K fashion, but McBling is the juicy couture sweatsuits, the tons of bronzer, icy lip gloss, tank tops that say dude, where's my couture? So McBling is, yes, juicy. It's also kind of like baby fat. What are some of the other brands? I don't know, the, kind of the aesthetic of like Paris Hilton, like the big Dior mm-hmm. sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And I chose this accessory because I think that is interesting, what that says about our culture at the time. I don't know, maybe something about post 9-11. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, also, it just reminds me of a time which I've also, sorry not to keep plugging our own podcast, but we discussed in kind of the middle school era discussion of our experience at our private school in Manhattan as a time for me of like extreme conspicuous consumption and wanting to fit in by making my mom buy me stuff. And (laughs) we can all relate. I know just being like a total demon during that time in my life and also just being super insecure and wanting in that environment to constantly prove that I was rich. And It's a funny time to remember a time when I felt really not great about myself. So it just reminds me of how far I've come. (laughs) And that's why I chose it. Is there a charm that's your favorite on there? Usually when people have charm bracelets, they get the charms at different times. Like they collect, you know, this one I got in Maine, this one I got, uh, I don't know, in the Grand Canyon or something. But I'm pretty sure I got these all at the same time. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, Like from Santa. I mean, not Santa. I guess the cat was out of the bag by that time. I I guess I like the diamond. I mean, it's so silly. Um, and it kind of fits. It does fit actually. So right. I guess oh I like there you go. Fancy. So do you feel like we totally get what you're saying about a certain time and place? Stephanie and I did a whole episode about what we weren't allowed to have in middle school. For me, it was a guest jeans, which is like still a little triggering. <laughs> do you ever wear it now? And if you do, do you feel like it gets you to think about who you were and now how far you've come? Or do you just not even wear it? Anymore? I mean, I don't really wear it anymore. I think maybe I should wear it to like a party or something I wear it like around the house and I look at it it's funny I'm looking at my bulletin board here and it's a picture of me with three of my cam friends actually on my 24th birthday and I'm wearing the juicy you know everything and that was kind of the theme but no I don't really wear it but maybe I should especially because all of this is kind of back in fashion. I think maybe I'd wear it ironically. Right. That's what I'm going to vote. Yeah. I'm going to vote that you wear it. I think it's, I think okay. it's fantastic. I, you bring it back, bring it back. So Ellie, it's now your turn. Right. Well, I, I just want to say, Carrie, I love yeah. your explanation of all of that. And just the, <laughs> the charms are so funny you know, an envelope yeah. addressed to Juicy Couture on Rodeo Drive or what Miss Juicy Ju- or whatever. No, Juicy Juicy Princess. Juicy Princess. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. really shows you where 
where young women or where capitalist culture put us in those years. We were just consumers, right? (laughs) And that's all we cared about. Yeah, I mean, gosh, if Gloria Steinem saw that, she would be very upset, I'm sure. (laughs) My accessory is, gosh, it's a little less personal in that I, um, I bought it only less than two years ago. It is a belt from um, a costume I wore during my wedding weekend in the summer of 2021. We had an 80s party as sort of the rehearsal dinner. And we had this amazing 80s cover band called Rubik's Cube. The lead singer, Sherry, is a good friend of our mom's and ours as well, and is the nicest person And we wanted everyone to dress up in an 80s costume. And so when it came time to figuring out what Mark and I were going to wear, who we were going to be, I thought, oh, I have to be Madonna from Like a Virgin because she's dressed as a bride. I kind of really knew that costume more through the lens of Britney Spears wearing it at the Uh VMA. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah, that was sort of my first... my first exposure to that iconic look. And so Sherry referred me to this amazing design, costume designer on Etsy. I, I'll get the name for you guys because I need to give props to this person. It was it was everything I could have dreamed of. I've never spent that much on a costume. I would say the whole thing, including tax and shipping and everything was like $300. So it was definitely an investment. Well worth it. When you are prepared for a costume party or Halloween, there's nothing better. You just feel like you brought it. Cause I, most of the time I I've kind of missed Halloween for work or weddings or whatever. And I always cobble something together, but when you feel good, it's such a great feeling. <laughs> and she so looked, true. her makeup was so good too. She had the mole and everything. Yeah. It's great. Say what Mark was. Oh, sure. So Mark was David Byrne from the talking heads. He had the giant suit. Yeah, which was a professionally made costume that actually a member of the band lent to him. So that was really legit and nice. And it was just so fun. My wedding, we had it at this event space called Cedar Lakes Estate. And it used to be a summer camp. And which really speaks to our love of of camp. It was the perfect venue for us. It was an hour and a half west of New York City, near New Jersey, where my husband's from. So it just, it was easy. We had a bus take a bunch of my friends from the West Village. And I think because a lot of people were staying on site and were together the whole weekend, this is July 4th. It's a lot of time with people you don't know. So we had kind of these ice breaking events. We had a field day where I split everyone up into teams and we we played we did relay races and played tug of war um some people took it a little more seriously than others my one friend henry really hurt his achilles but i was gonna say were there any injuries Uh oh i mean gosh you like the camp nurse i know right (laughs) so that was really fun and then that night we had the 80s party and i think for a lot of people, my friends and my mom's friends, a lot of people were, they told me this after, they were kind of dreading both events because they were like, oh, this is going to be kind of awkward. This is forced fun. And by the end of the night, they were like, this was a great idea. We all look so silly. We had some amazing costumes. We had a handful of Richard Simmons. We had oh, good. Top Gun people. A we lot of Princess Dianas. A lot of Princess oh. Dianas. We had Kiss. We had oh. Billy Idol, my brother-in-law dressed up as, and his girlfriend, Chloe was Fantastic. Um, this is amazing. People brought yeah. it. People really brought it. And then there were funny people too, who were dressed up in, in togas and like Roman gladiator looks being like, well, you didn't specify which 80s. 
That's hilarious. That's so clever. So people really just kind of ran with it. Our stepsister's boyfriend was Marty McFly. He was great. Um, hey, Carrie, what were you? Yeah, what? I was just like fabulous. I don't know what I, like <laughs> who I was. I mean, I got this, it was like an 80s prom dress. I got at this okay. store oh. in the East Village. I, I think we decided in the end that I was gem in the holograms. Oh, that's cute. Oh, okay. That's cute. Um, yeah. yeah. And my mom was kind of Cindy Lauper, but kind of just. Oh my God. She not... looked really bizarre. Kind of That's awesome. <laughs> we mentioned this in the intro that we pre recorded, but you guys are the co hosts of a podcast called All Each Other Has, which we've been loving. And we're going to link to that in the show notes. Thank you. And I wanted to ask you about um, how you came up with that name. What does All Each Other Has mean to you? It's a mouthful. But Carrie, yeah, why don't you explain? I don't think we could have called it anything else. The etymology, I guess, is that when we would fight a lot when we were younger, and we did fight a lot, funnily enough, often it was over clothes and accessories, because mm-hmm. I would take everything from Ellie's closet and leave it a mess, and she would get so, so mad. I mean, understandably so. When we would fight, and often it became physical <laughs> fighting, which was really scary, <laughs> our mom would plead with us, don't fight your sisters, you're all each other has. And in a way, I think we are. I mean, obviously, Ellie is married, and she has a great husband. And we have a nice family. You saw my cat. I have two cats, actually. <laughs> we are all each other has, and that we understand each other better than anyone else. When you have the exact same upbringing as someone, yes. and yeah you're you have so many memories together and you're in the same family and your best friends there's nothing comparable to that it really rings close to home for me because that's something that my parents would say to my brother and me who actually my brother is nearly five years apart and I think you guys are what four and a half or so years apart in age I get that and I have two boys who are two and a half years apart and I say the same thing when they are wrestling and going uh-huh. at each other right because at the end of the day putting everything aside like your family's your family period I also think there's an implicit allusion to mortality in that sadly. yeah I, yes. sadly but it's god so forbid true. obviously the idea of anything happening to our mom makes me like physically ill but she isn't going to live forever and I think right. the idea is that even when your kids growing up and you can't stand each other and you're mean to each other and you feel like you have nothing in common one day you will be adults and it will fall to you to kind of take care of things and in some ways take care of your mom your own parents the roles reverse so I think that's also what it was alluding to my dad still says to me and my brother you are each other's best friends and when I'm gone you two have each other and that's really that's an important lesson for a little deeper dive on the podcast which you guys do some awesome (laughs) deep dives I told you via email that I became a little bit obsessed with your series on sleepaway camp. And I sent it to when I know who went to camp because you guys went to camp Fernwood. My mom who died when she was in her fifties went to camp Fernwood and at her funeral, they played her captain of the white team song, which was like crazy, but she told me that's what she wanted. And we did it. (laughs) Her mom went to camp Fernwood. I went to camp Tapawingo for a variety of reasons. One of the reasons I actually didn't send my daughter to Fernwood, I sent her to a different camp in 
New England was because actually for me, it was, it was like too difficult to center there having lost my mom. It was just like yeah. too many memories, but I loved your deep dive into camp. I loved your deep dive into private school. I feel like we have a lot of similar feelings on that topic. Loved the dolls, American girl doll, warm more cabbage patch, but we have all the accessories. And I'm just curious how you pick these topics. How do they come to you? And how do you decide what's the topic? What's the series? What's that process been like for you? It's really random. I wish we had a clearer methodology. For the most part, we try to tie things into what's topical, what's newsworthy. We did a whole this whole Taylor Swift series um, around the time that the album came out. It took us a minute because we had so much to say. I think we did three episodes, Carrie, on her. We we did an episode about spirituality and the history of women being connected to the occult uh, around Halloween. But otherwise, everything's sort of random. We both majored in American studies. I went to Yale and Carrie went to Stanford, but I think they had a lot in common in that it's really about looking at sort of the underbelly of history, what hasn't been told in the history books, very much espousing kind of Howard Zinn's approach to history, which is the history um, heretofore, if I'm using that right, has been told by the victors. And so let's look at the people who have not benefited from history and whose stories need to be told and also dissecting cultural artifacts and, and putting them within the context of what when they were released to the world. Carrie and I are thinking about, uh, you know, Carrie's really interested in Reaganism and the birth of the modern conservative movement. And I wrote a paper in college looking at how Forrest Gump, the beloved movie and book, was really about the victory of Reagan economics and conservative values after the turbulent time of the counterculture. And so I just think it's that's what we're really interested in. I think it is very really random. I mean, like right now we've been talking about 9-11 a lot and it's February, um, <laughs> but it's something that we wanted to talk about in conversation with a bunch of other things. Uh, and I'm looking now at a book I have on my desk called Fasting Girls, The History of Anorexia Nervosa. Mm. And we're doing an episode related to that. And that came about because we watched together this amazing film called The Wonder with Florence Pugh. Um, it is about a young nurse from England who's sent to this remote village in Ireland in the 1860s to observe this young Irish girl who hasn't eaten in three months. And they're trying to figure out whether she's this miracle, she wants to be a saint, things aren't what they seem, but that kind of sent me and Ellie on this deep dive into what was called anorexia mirabilis, which is different from regular anorexia and that it has to do with this fervor and women trying to emulate the suffering of Christ. It is fascinating to me. So yeah, that was how that right. episode came about. The stuff with the dolls, we're really interested, I think, as a culture right now in the aesthetics, but also the politics and psychology of the new millennium, because now it's enough in the past that we can kind of examine it with films like Framing Britney Spears. I also think that specifically the undue burden that's put on women is something we really want to expose and explore, whether it's Taylor Swift dealing with the media and the double standards of having a robust dating life to women, the Salem witch trials, uh, women being convicted and killed for being witches, to what Barbie does to young girls 
What's interesting to me in listening is that you take these topics, which on face value could be, you know, you're talking about dolls, you've got Barbie, you've got American Girl, and what are seemingly lighter topics, but you do your research. I mean, you really do dig deep. And I come away from these episodes, I learn something. And I just really appreciate how much detail you give. Rachel and I like to go and do deep dives on things about like, you know, belt bags, which are really redesigned fanny packs and, and those kinds <laughs> of things. Well, that's um, important. Those are cool. Well, you know, but what's, what's yeah. interesting though, because both of us, Rachel and I are Gen X and Ellie, you're um, a millennial carrier, what on the cusp of Gen Z, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so, yeah, we're representing. So we are spanning the gens. And so um curious about your take on all these different trends. What do you think of the things that have come back into fashion? I love it all. I love participating in trends, um, maybe in a way that makes me a little desperate and thirsty as a 31-year-old. I think also Carrie has Carrie's style really inspires me. I was feeling pretty good about my participation in trends until the online discourse around Portia, the character from White Lotus started coming out. And I realized, oh my God, I've been trying to dress like Portia, but everyone's been saying Portia has no style and has no idea who she is. So what does that say? I enjoy Portia's style. I think it's perfect for the character. I think it's fun to participate in trends. Like why not? I love going into Urban Outfitters, which is probably bad because it's fast fashion, but I love just going <laughs> through the accessories there, seeing the, yeah. the fuzzy bucket hats. I don't own one yet. I feel like people are just having fun with it and not worrying so much about looking super feminine or sexy or whatever. Everything, especially accessories have become way more androgynous. You can shop in the men's section. I'm here for it. I think it's really yeah. fun. I think it's quite a talent to be able to put outfits together like Porsche, don't you think though? So are you anti-Porsche fashion? I got offended when my mom was like, you're, you dress like Porsche. And I was like, no, I don't. I think with Porsche, a lot of the clothes I recognize pieces that she wears because I'm like, oh, I saw an Instagram ad for that. There was a movie that came out last year that was okay. But one thing they did a good job on is having this very unlikable character played by, is it Zoe Deutsch? Zoe Deutsch, right, Ellie? Yeah. Where she plays this influencer and all her clothes, when you're looking, you're like, oh, that's so dated. But by dated, I mean like a year ago. And Uh, it's kind of interesting how how that happens. Like, oh, I remember seeing that on this brand House of Sunny that was really popular like a year ago. I think in terms of trends, it's kind of fun for me right now because for the first time in my life, I'm seeing a style comeback that I actually lived through and can remember. Yes. So in terms of like Y2K stuff, those yeah. are the clothes of right. my childhood. And now kind of hear that, what is it called? It's not like boho chic. It's the Olsen twins kind of? Olsen twins, like Serena oh. Vanderwood's in. Like yes. now that's going to come back or something. It um, all comes back. Right. It's exciting to see. I was talking to a friend about two years ago on why especially TikTokers and Gen Z love the aesthetics of that era of, of our childhood. And she said something really 
poignant, which is that it represents a time when the future and technology was still sexy and exciting, like the internet. I think now we've kind of arrived at the future and it's actually pretty scary. <laughs> I thought that that was sort of a good point that she made. I think that's all very cool. First of all, I was mm -hmm. a history major in college. I focused on American history. So I completely love the deep dives that you take. And it's funny what you said about your paper on Forrest Gump, because my daughter, who's 17, came home from her history class, which she's obsessed with. And she tells me all about this teacher. And she told me sort of a similar take on Forrest Gump. And my mind was kind of blown. So mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. I don't have to tell her about that. Also, think... Annie, have you seen Annie? Like Annie, the play. Annie. I, I met the first Annie, Andrea. What's her, I, I, oh, yeah. it, on Broadway. Not and to brag, I, but I did meet her when I was like eight. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And I, yes. then Sarah Jessica Parker played Annie yes. too, I think. Eileen Quinn. Um, yeah. All of them. Yeah. Annie is also, particularly the, the movie from the early 80s, is a very pro Reagan kind of film or like very yes. Reagan era yeah. kind of film. It's about Daddy Warbucks who grew up poor and pulled himself up by his bootstraps to become a billionaire. Mm -hmm. And it's very anti-state in that Annie, uh, all her enemies are like state employees like the dog catcher in the dog catcher <laughs> the police right and then there's even an assassination attempt against daddy warbucks and there's a line like oh those dang bolsheviks or something um <laughs> wow. so it's like a very cold war kind of film i thought and like kind of anti-new deal too but anyways right because there's I fdrs digress. in it too no right, right. right. That's, yeah that's right yeah, yeah. Wow, little <laughs> so we, we want to do an episode on that and forrest gump and all also, this animated movie, uh, An American Tale. Oh, yeah. The, okay. the little mouse yeah. mice. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That is so interesting. Well, we it. did an episode on our, I feel like this is like on our podcast, on your podcast. No, um, we, we interviewed Liz Lang, the designer, and yeah. um, we got into Portia. I think we recorded right around the time that the, the season finale of White Lotus yeah, was out. And, and we just were ended. Like, totally obsessed. So we did a whole thing on Portia <laughs> and we were saying we all kind of agreed that her wardrobe and her look is like so chaotic and that kind of represented the chaotic nature of her and she was all over the place. My thought was like, I just couldn't believe she packed like that for a vacation. I just love the band that she's in the airport with the sunglasses. Oh my God. That's and oh God. So funny. And I love when Jennifer yeah. Coolidge is like, do you have any cute things? You're going to need some cute, cute things <laughs> for, cute for things. us going to Palermo. Yeah, um, cute things. I mean, I think it's, it's such a different time, especially in the age of TikTok, which I only recently got, but am totally addicted to. You're getting so many messages every day about what's cool, what's a trend. It's important. I know I'm contradicting myself because I love participating in the trends and I, I think it's so fun. And maybe it's because I'm trying to stay in my twenties forever, even though I'm 31. <laughs> um, but I think it's important to take time to be like, well, what do I actually like? And yeah, it's yeah. also fast too. It's pretty dangerous because now your Instagram you, with a, the click of a button you can buy something when it autofills your information and it's never been easier to just impulse buy Yeah, from home behind your, just holding your device. I think it's, it's important to like take the time to figure out what 
what you like, what's important to you. Carrie is really interested in sustainable fashion. In um, this might be a stretch, but I try to buy secondhand. Yeah, like, no, and buy vintage. I think it's always really exciting. I will buy stuff on like Depop, yeah, not so much anymore. Depop. I went through kind of a Depop phase, and then I kind of stopped. Um, but now I try to only buy things that one I can try on. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at these cargo pants that I got. Speaking of Y2K, I got these at the farmer's market in my neighborhood on Saturday and I really liked them. And then I have also right here, this, I think it's from the thirties, this slip dress that I was looking for a dress like this for a long time. And I think it's always really special when you try something on that once belonged to somebody else and it just fits mm-hmm. you perfectly and yeah. it's kind of a it's just a cool connection to some stranger from the past I don't know growing up were there trends in accessories clothing that you really wanted that your mom was like nope yeah we went to a private school in Manhattan yeah. on the Upper East Side, an all-girls school, uh-huh. um, you know, and our mom is the least materialistic person in the entire world. She, she wears shot. like Talbots. She like, wears Talbots. Nothing she, wrong with Talbots, yeah. but... She loves Talbots. She loves banana. We She's been in LA for the month and we went to the Beverly Center last week and she got this Western style skirt from banana that she was really into and she wanted to get a shirt with it and she... She's just sort of out of touch, I guess. I, I, you know, she said, how much is the, the, the shirt? I said, $80. And she was like, oh my God, that's too expensive. And I'm just sort <laughs> of awesome. like, oh gosh, I love it. you know, like just live a little, you can buy it. It's okay. I promise. <laughs> so she's just not at all like that. And I remember, yeah. She also like, has here- no street style. But <laughs> she, she, no, I love her. I love that. What does about that mean her. though? What does that mean? Right. Like she can't really put an outfit together herself. Um, <laughs> Because she had somebody dressing her for so long and like working her ass and things like that. And she has lots of beautiful, beautiful clothes, you know, suits and, right. and things, <laughs> dresses like, like workwear. Styles change though, um, because it's not as formal anymore, right? Like, yeah, right. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, just, she was always like this, like she was always, I mean, there are certain things I remember, like those jeans, Ellie, that have the patchwork that are all different paintings. I think she gave those to you. I have those. And I'm we were those trying are to actually, defend your mom like, a little bit. Cool. But we got I know, yeah. right? <laughs> but those are like, I think those are fun. You know what's so funny? I used to be so embarrassed of those jeans. Yeah. She wore, I think they're from Banana or some something similar. And they've got patchworks of all these famous paintings. They're awesome. <laughs> they're awesome. But at the time, you know, that's not how my friend's moms were dressing. Right. Like I was right, so right. like, oh, and it was like a so, lot. Yeah. It's just yeah, so yeah. funny. The things that embarrass you the most are the things that you cherish the most and uh-huh. um, think they're amazing. Yes. And it's, it's such a gift to grow up and become secure with yourself and, yeah. uh, and just start really appreciating the weird, um, you know, kind of dorky aspects of, of your mom and your well, own. She brain. also just wears lots of things that she gets sent, you know, for free, oh. which is great, you know, and she gets sent so much, so much stuff, you know, right. we should have like a gifting suite in our house <laughs> for all this stuff. And we often do, but um, she will get sent some t-shirt for like some probiotic drink and she'll just wear it and then she'll just wear it. <laughs> yeah. Know? And yeah, like, like branded stuff. Like, like branded what is stuff. that? Yeah. And she was like, I don't know. And then or she'll <laughs> She's wear like representing. Yeah. Or like she and my stepdad 
okay, maybe we'll, I don't know, you don't need to redact this, but I think they did some kind of thing with uh, Life is Good. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. God. Nothing wrong Sorry. with that. But <laughs> like, My dad has that hat he wears to play golf. Life they like good. wear the yeah. shirts that say things like kindness is nonpartisan and awesome, which it's not anymore, but or they'll wear like, it's not wear a shirt like social distancing expert like what like why are you wearing these things it's but funny it's, it's it's funny at the end of the day but um oh my but gosh. growing but sorry going yeah. back to your question because we we've uh digressed but growing up everyone had a baby g watch do you remember those okay um they yeah. it might have skipped no. um, yeah because yeah, i i your all kids right. are too young for it but they right. were these there were these digital watches that came in all colors you know kind of pastels and and they just were all all the rage when I was in middle school. They cost, I think, over a hundred dollars. And oh. so my mom said no. No. And I begged I and begged said and no. begged. Yeah. And um, because it was totally, you know, like a status symbol. And I mm-hmm. I guess, you know, when you're a kid, especially growing up in the 90s on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, it's just all about what you're wearing. Then I remember when I went to middle school, sixth grade, I really wanted a Tiffany charm bracelet. Wait, the one that says like, if found return to Tiffany, like it has the well, Tiffany heart. Like the lock. It was a sterling silver chain link bracelet with a heart yes. Um, yes. that you could get your initials on. Yes. My mom wouldn't get me one. So I guess it had been gifted to her. So I wore one that had Ellie on one side and Carrie on the other. <laughs> I wore a lot of stuff like that because people were so nice and sent her things with both our names. So I'm like wearing a mom bracelet, a mom necklace. Because... <laughs> and then the other thing I was obsessed with that she wouldn't let me get was a Longchamp bag. I really wanted yes. one of those for school. There were also these bags called Hervé. Um, Chapelet. Yeah. That were two-toned, yes. you know, and that was, for some reason, I just felt like I needed those things. And it's yeah. so silly now looking back on it. Yeah. I think it was just about fitting in. If I felt like yeah. all the other girls had it, but it was so funny. My mom had this really nice trainer and, and dear friend named High Voltage, that's not her actual name, but that is her, <laughs> her, her name. Her name is Kathy really, but we called her voltage. She calls she, herself voltage. Yes. That's like her stage. She's, her her thing. Right. She's amazing. And she actually, I don't know how mom felt about it, but she would get me everything mom wouldn't. Oh, nice. <laughs> so she got me the bag. She got me a watch, the baby G watch. So I think, you know, I'm looking back, I'm glad mom was such a stickler about those things because I think I appreciated them more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. look, I still remember to this day and I'm under trying to understand why it was so important, why those things were so important. If I had just been given them, I probably would have forgotten all about them and right. not maybe savored special things now. So, well, she kept you grounded and she gave you good value. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like, I mean, that's important. My mom was like that too. And now as Mine a mom, too. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that's like, just because everybody has, it doesn't mean you have to have it. It's funny. Yeah. You mentioned the Hervé Chapelet bag because I'm dating myself, but I was in college in the nineties and that was all the rage. And I did my junior semester abroad and I bought one 
in Paris and I still have it and I still use it. It's a good travel tote bag. And I just, this weekend I use it. I texted a picture to my college friends. Like we all still have them, but if, if we could bring it back a little bit to your accessories um, and particularly the belt that Ellie wore to that prenuptial dinner, which sounds so much fun. Prenuptial. That's like a weird word. No, I mean, that's perfect for it. But I, you did an episode actually on your wedding and I think Carrie, you read your speech as the maid of honor. So can you tell us a little bit what that was like and kind of the bond you have as sisters and being all each other had that, what that was like for you that wedding weekend? Ellie's wedding was quite an event. It was postponed a year because of COVID. So I think everyone was super excited. It was kind of the first big party I'd gone to in a really long time. Mm -hmm. In terms of writing a wedding speech for Ellie, I, I think all good toasts or speeches are also light roasts. I think that's important and it's important to also make fun of yourself and writing a speech for Ellie. I I don't want to be like, oh, it poured out of me, but it kind of did (laughs) because we have so many funny memories together. And I think I I was watching an interview with Quinta Brunson, who Mm -hmm. created Abbott Elementary, and she gave a good piece of advice with writing. She initially was worried that so many of the references were too Philadelphia specific that they'd be lost on a, you know, national audience. But then she kind of realized the more specific, the better, because it almost that actually makes it more universal, if that makes sense, because it makes it more real. That advice wasn't in my mind because I didn't even know who Quinta Brunson was at, at the time of Ellie's wedding, but I think that that's really true. It's funny too that a lot of the memories I brought up from times when Ellie and I had a more turbulent relationship. I, I don't know if this is now turning into advice about like how to write a good speech or toast. That's okay. I think that my speech was really good. And now <laughs> I actually help people for money um, write their <laughs> Cool. Uh, speeches. I mean, I have like one client, but yeah. Not I after kind this of, podcast comes I, in. I kind of went into the evolution of our relationship and just tried to show rather than tell. Mm. That's always a good piece of advice. Um, yeah. Use stories to illustrate something rather than yeah. adjectives. It was a fantastic speech. And Carrie was just an amazing sister and support that entire weekend, maid of honor, whatever. She was just really there for me. And the three of us, my mom, Carrie and I, I felt like we're totally on the same page because it's a lot when you're hosting, you know, 200 to 250 people and you want to make sure um, it's having fun. And yet we're also making sure to see everyone and take the time to greet people and catch up with them and thank them for coming. So I just felt like we were really a team. I I think that even though we didn't spend the pandemic together that year gave us Carrie and me the quiet that we needed to kind of really bond as adults for the first time. Obviously it was awful, but I'm, I'm grateful for the time that we had um, not, you know, running around like crazy Mm -hmm. all the time, just to talk a lot. I think that's when we started FaceTiming like all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that also in the past five years, I've been seeing a therapist pretty regularly, I sort of, and I'm sure this is, you know, pretty common, but in my mid to late twenties, just sort of having like a quarter life crisis. And I think it's a time of big transition. (laughs) Yeah. Carrie's like, I I get that. Um, And, you know, I think that 
it just was the first time I, I kind of was able to reprioritize my life. And I think before I started seeing my therapist and all through college in my early twenties, I was just obsessed with friends, 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 you know, what can I do to please friends to make sure I, nobody ever abandons me. And of course, friends are so important, but I think it was just, it was a great apotheosis, if I can use that word, my wedding of just realizing family is so, so important. And I didn't have any bridesmaids or anything. It was just Carrie up there with me. And I'm so grateful. And I love all my friends deeply. That's not to say just, I think past five years have, especially with COVID have really put into perspective how important family is and that family is forever. Right, Carrie, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. You sound Mormon. I know. I sound, I sound, yeah, I sound crazy. Um, Well, no, no, no. It's, it's, we're interviewing Heather, Heather Gay tomorrow. Oh. So we've been reading her memoir, Bad Mormon. So it's oh, wow. family is forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. yeah I'll see it you is. in the celestial kingdom, Carrie. <laughs> yeah. The speech was so amazing because Carrie has always been my kid sister. Um, and I think for a lot of our life, because we lost our father so young, I've sort of taken on a parental role in her life. I used to be so weird. Like, I'd be like, I don't want to think about you with boys or whatever. (laughs) You're my little baby, you know? And I think for a lot of life, I'm sure it was so annoying. I used to kind of mother you and tell you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And I really realized that, you know, we're, we're on equal footing and both trying to figure out adulthood and our lives and so I think it just was this amazing moment where I was like, wow, she's a woman. You know, she looked yeah. beautiful. She um, was wearing this amazing dress and red shoes. And you had this kind of red lip and was holding this <laughs> glass of champagne. And the way you were telling these jokes, she said one joke that I thought was so funny, which is we're basically at my wedding since I'll never get married <laughs> on account of my personality. And everyone was just dying. <laughs> it really was like, wow, she's she's grown up. She's a woman. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I want to hire you as a speechwriter. I know, now. I know. Yes. Well, it's, it's it's beautiful, and that love does come through. I mean, look, this is the first time meeting you, and you can see it. It's beautiful. Can you tell our listeners where they can follow you? Our Instagram for our podcast is at A-E-O-H underscore pod. <laughs> That's all, <laughs> all each other, each other has, has. underscore other pod. Has. I don't think we have Twitter or TikTok. We need to be dropping the episodes more consistently. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon. I don't think that that's a very popular way to listen to podcasts, but we're on Amazon if you happen to use that. All the ways. I'm sure. Yes, exactly. We loved having you girls on. So much fun women, young women. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, fine. this was this, so fun. Thank you so much. This Thank was you. such a pleasure. We're going to post the pictures of that fancy, juicy couture charm bracelet. Oh, great. Um, great. And also <laughs> and the belt. belt for sure. Now, if you, um, I can send you like a photo from the wedding of the whole outfit if you want. I would love that. <laughs> this really... was so fun. Thank you guys so much. So thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We'll, we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>